From high atop Five Bush Media World News Headquarters in Rochester, New York, it's the Top of the Tower podcast, brought to you by Shively Labs, a division of Howell Laboratories. Shively is a proud employee-owned company with over 50 years of expert antenna and filter design and manufacturing. And by Yellowtech for broadcasters, podcasters, and content creators. Yellowtech offers solutions for clean, efficient studios with the Mika mic arms and monitor supports. Clear audio from Yellowtech's IXM recording microphone and USB sound cards, along with its compact mixer, the Intellimix. To learn more, go to yellowtech.com. I'm Scott Feibusch. Welcome to October. We are getting ready to get Tower Site Calendar 2021 off to the printer and out to you. We're going to have ordering reopened again at our uh, newly updated website at feibusch.com very soon now. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. This is also the time of year where ordinarily we would be making our way down to New York City soon for the annual joint convention of the Audio Engineering Society and the NAB New York show. This year, of course, it's not happening in person. There's nothing happening in person in New York or really much of anywhere else on the convention scene. Even the big NAB show for next April uh, has already been put off until... At least next fall, tentatively, we'll be keeping an eye on that to see if it actually goes off on schedule. And we're certainly looking forward to getting together in person again someday with all of our friends in the broadcasting world. But in the meantime, AES is at least doing a virtual convention this year. Uh, I was going to say in New York. It's not really in New York. Uh, it's not really anywhere. It's on the Internet. And uh, instead of Hosting a panel in New York City, I have been uh, invited to put together a panel discussion that will be part of the virtual AES show. We'll have information at the end of the show about uh, how you can get on with AES and see that and so much more exciting content that's part of this year's AES show as well. But in today's podcast, you get to hear at least a little bit of a preview of the session, and I think it's a neat one. You know, anytime engineers get together, whether at a convention or anywhere else, we all have our war stories, right? We all have the, the tales that we tell of the weird things that happened to us while we were trying to finish up a project or while we were trying to uh, fix a, a problem at the last second. Everybody's got one of those stories, right? And we thought it would be neat to invite uh, some broadcast engineers from all over the country together to share some of their favorite stories. And so uh, just finished recording this virtual panel, uh, which you'll get to hear as part of AES. Uh, among the guests was uh, my friend Tracy Teagarden, who is the chief engineer of Entercom in Las Vegas, where he gets to look after a bunch of transmitters at one of the uh, more difficult sites in a major metropolitan area to get to. That would be the uh, the mighty Mount Potosi, high above and kind of far away from Las Vegas. It's about 8,800 feet of badass Sierra Nevada rock. Um the valley floor is about 2,300, 2,400. So you're going up to 8,800. Uh, you come around the back of the mountain, you go down through Good Springs, uh, come around the back of the mountain, come up, break over the ridge. Uh, you're going, you're gaining about 6,000 foot elevation in about two miles. Um, and, uh, uh, if you're not careful, you'll chip your teeth going up that road. It's kind of rough. Uh, you know, you get used to it. You learn to pick, choose your line carefully. 
uh, you learn to um, know what things are going to bash holes in your oil pan and when to drive around that. Uh, I'm sure everybody that's dealt with serious terrain mountaintops has had the similar uh, type of stuff happen, but it's kind of a rite of passage of my truck to have the oil pan replaced eventually. The broadcast site is one of the last single wire power distribution systems in the in North America. Um, and what that means is there's one conductor, uh, you know, a, an aluminum conductor about the size of your pinky uh, that's an extremely high voltage that's buried and ins insulated and buried going up the mountain. Then we develop the other side with the counterpoise, with the big ground system. Um, so, and we have, we all have phase masters to make our three phase rotary phase converters to make our three phase. Uh, so therein lies its own odd set of circumstances. And one of the things you don't think about when you've got these huge counterpoise systems and huge, uh, single phase, super high current sink situations with a counterpoise. About two years ago, I decided I was going to put a microwave antenna on a, on a little pole about 150 feet from the building. And I put it on that little pole and I wired it up cat five and I tied it up all very nicely uh, back to the, cable ladder and I brought it into the building and it was 150 foot away on the other side of the counterpoise and I diked the end off the cat five and knocked myself on my ass and created a big plume of fire because I had outrun the ground saturation of the counterpoise with that piece of cat five and um that isn't something that people have to deal with very often. You think of ground as being ground, but there's only so much ground per given area of ground. Uh, and me, even with the double E, even with, didn't even think of that till I blinded myself with, a, with the end of a paradise. You will hear more from Tracy uh, as you uh, tune in to the virtual AES convention in New York a little bit later in October. Uh, we also talked about studios. Brittany Williams is the Director of Engineering and Operations for Wisconsin Public Radio. She's been through a massive studio rebuild. It started out as just putting some new equipment in some studios. And as she explained to us, it turned into a much bigger project as they kept going on it. As part of the studio renovation design, our our main studio that you know has windows in the lobby that everyone can see, um, I wanted to move the door because the door to get in the studio is also in the lobby, not you know in the studio loop with the other doors. It's just alone, and it was a security risk. 
Um, people felt like they were sort of sitting in a fishbowl right out front with nowhere to go. There was only one entrance. So I figured if we've already gone this far, man, we got to like, if we're going to do something, let's just finish it and do it right. Which is why, you know, two years later, we're still working on it. Because once they started digging into the walls in this 1971 brutalist building, there was just an endless stream of surprises that delayed construction and delayed and delayed. The first one was uh, finding a third ceiling above the other two. We knew about two of the ceilings, but we didn't know there was a third one up there. So that required special abatement and special demolition crew. Then I wanted to move that door. So, um, you know, we had a structural engineer draw up plans and uh, make sure it was all going to be sound where I wanted it to go. And everyone expected there to be a lintel in the wall that they would use to attach the new door to. At the time, I had no idea what a lintel was. Now I'm very familiar with them. Um, and then they finally get around to, to drilling and sawing and cutting out these cinder block walls and there's no lintel. It's not there. So the whole plan that the structural engineer and the uh, masons had come up with wasn't going to work. That took maybe three or four months to resolve, um, come up with a new plan. The door is moved now. It's a beautiful door. <laughs> I am so proud of it, but my God, that took forever. And then the last, like just crazy thing that we did not expect. Obviously we've gutted the rooms now, like we're no longer just doing a quick paint job. We're moving walls, we're doing everything. So we're down down to bare concrete. And while we're, while we're down to bare concrete, we might as well, rerun the electrical and make sure that it makes sense. It goes where it needs to go. Everything's grounded and uh, everything's connected to a large UPS that I that I still wanted to put back um, in the in the ROC. Once we downsized the UPS for the studios only, not not the whole um, racks racks of servers that those move to the data center. Um, so this is just the studio so it could downsize a little bit and uh, it was allowed to sit on the floor now. Um, but in the process of the electrician, you know, running the wires and hooking up um, the generator power panel to our UPS power panel, he cracked open a 1970s uh, panel box. And he took one look at it and said, nope, I'm not touching that. Um, to, to him, at first glance, it looked homemade. The, the power panel box, like b behind the circuit breakers, you know, that part we see and touch, he took it off the wall and the guts of it looked homemade to him. And so that led us to rewiring the entire studio loop with new electrical. In the end, it probably would have been okay as it was, but I'm glad we did it because now we have junction boxes for any future work that does not require me to turn the whole station off. But ultimately what he found was um, the, the box was sort of coated inside with um, the best we've been able to come up with to describe it is a, like a lead paper. It, it's metal and thick and bendy and it was coating the whole box and like three or four feet down the wall up down sideways of the wall on all sides so in order to get that power box out and rewire everything put a new one in um we basically had to tear this whole wall apart that was not part of the plan at all um all of that is done now and um our this, this project, just because we had to have some functioning studios throughout um, the process, so it was divvied up into pieces, we, we finished um, the main studios. They're absolutely gorgeous and wonderful now. Uh, we finished those, I think, 
maybe back in November. Time doesn't mean much to me anymore. And my friend Shane Toven, who's a senior broadcast engineer for EMF, Air One, and K-Love, has been traveling all over the West, putting transmitter installations in all kinds of places, expanding their network. Before he was with K-Love, however, he was with Wyoming Public Radio, and he shared a story of one of his earliest experiences right after moving to Wyoming from Wisconsin. It was one of my first days there. Um, we had a couple of very large stations, a couple of uh, Class Cs, one on either corner, of, you know, like one in the southeast part of the state uh, outside of Laramie where we were based, and then one over in the uh, southwest corner of the state. Um, so those were kind of the two flagships. There are a bunch of 500-watt stations scattered around the rest of the state to cover all of oh, 500,000 people <laughs> in the whole state. Uh, but anyway, so we get a call that our, our flagship on the southwest corner of the state is off the air. I'm like, okay, well, this is interesting. So I didn't know where any of the sites were. I hadn't been to any of these sites yet. So I, uh, you know, our, our then head engineer at the time, we, he and I load up in the car. Uh, we go out to the site. Of course, we get there and it is just snowing like crazy. <laughs> so we drive up to the site. The first thing I notice that's a little bit off, um, there's a vent on the side of the building, uh, but there is no weather hood over this vent. And guess which direction the snow and the wind are blowing <laughs> directly into this vent. The other odd thing I notice, of course, is that the door is kind of um, askew. It's uh, apparently at some point it had been damaged. Um, so anyway, I'm thinking, okay, this is not a great start to this visit. <laughs> so we go into the site. I notice that the transmitter, of course, is completely off the air. I mean, I still have some power on the controller. I could tell, um, you know, it was just non-responsive entirely. It was not going to come up. But uh, before I even tried to bring it up, I noticed something a little bit strange. There were little white flecks of powder around the edges of this transmitter, around every, you know, every enclosure. So I'm looking, I'm going, okay, that doesn't look right. <laughs> Shut down all the power to it, open up the PA cavity, and I see snow inside the PA cavity. <laughs> There's something no. you don't see ever. There's something you don't see every day. So, okay, so I look at the top of the transmitter, and it has this sheet metal ductwork that is directly, you know, connected to the top of the transmitter, no air gap, and then also directly connected to this vent in the wall, the one with no hood on the outside, where the wind and the snow are blowing directly into it. I open the little access hatch, and what do I see on top of this 30-kilowatt BE transmitter, but a just where that tuning stub is above the PA cavity, if you're familiar with those transmitters, it was that whole area was just coated, just covered and packed with snow. <laughs> so, huh, okay. Well, fortunately, we had a little 500-watt crown transmitter on site. It was able to at least get that patched into the main antenna, get that thing back on the air. I knew I wasn't going to get this BE on the air anytime soon. Um, but, you know, we managed to managed to clean out all the snow, um, get a proper hood put on the outside. Uh, I'm not sure how it, you know, whether it fell off or what happened, uh, but anyway, so we got the hood replaced. I get the door replaced, uh, cleaned out all the snow, ended up replacing the tube socket, a bunch of stuff around the tube socket, uh, various power supply components, and eventually the beast roared back to life. <laughs> so there was my introduction to engineering in Wyoming. <laughs> You will hear from Shane and from Brittany and from Tracy as part of one of the virtual events at AES Convention Number 149, which comes your way a little bit later in October. There is so much more beyond just my panel 
that you will be able to take part in if you register for the AES show virtually. You can find out a lot more at AES.org. There's an entire broadcast, an online delivery track event put together, as always, by the uh, incomparable David Bialik. Among the other events this year that we're really excited uh, to tune into virtually, uh, celebrating the 100th anniversary of radio broadcasting and its innovations uh, with John Holt. He's doing a session called Pass the Mic and a Century of Radio, What You May Not Know About the History of Broadcasting. That's going to feature uh, some of our favorite broadcast historians, Donna Halper and uh, Barry Mishkind from the Broadcasters Desktop Resource. You're going to learn about microphone hygiene. Uh, Rob Byers from American Public Media is going to talk about podcasts, telling stories with sound, uh, virtual tour of the BBC Broadcasting House in London and BBC in uh, Cardiff in Wales, all kinds of great stuff. Much more information available for you uh, at AES.org and AESshow.org, including the opportunity soon to register virtually uh, for this great convention. We will be back with much more as soon as next week right here on the Top of the Tower podcast. Don't forget also to uh, take a look at Northeast Radio Watch. We've made our subscription system a lot easier for you. If you're not yet a member, it's a great opportunity to join and to support what we do here at FiveBush.com, which also includes free access just about every week to our Tower Site of the Week feature. Right now, we are chronicling our trip a year ago to Texas, uh, and at the moment... If you go uh, to FiveBush.com and look at the uh, Tower site of the week there, uh, you can see some of the most famous FM and TV sites anywhere. Uh, The fantastic Senior Road site, uh, which isn't really on Senior Road, but it is in Missouri City near Houston, Texas. A fantastic broadcast city and one we had never profiled before on Tower site of the week. That'll do it for the Top of the Tower podcast this week. Always interested in your ideas, too, if you've got a suggestion for someone you'd like to talk to, or maybe it's you. Drop me a line at scott at fibush.com or comment on the website at fibush.com. The Top of the Tower podcast is brought to you by Yellow Tech for broadcasters, podcasters, and content creators. Yellow Tech offers solutions for clean, efficient studios with the Mika mic arms and monitor supports. Clear audio from Yellow Tech's IXM recording microphone and USB sound cards, along with its compact mixer, the Intellimix. To learn more, go to yellowtech.com. And from Shively Labs, a division of Howell Laboratories, Shively is a proud employee-owned company with over 50 years of expert antenna and filter design and manufacturing. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.